0: welcome back to ringside this is episode number nine it's awesome to think that only a few weeks ago we were at episode one and we're about to 10x it in the upcoming episode chewy is with me this evening and it's going to be an impactful one chewy how you doing
1: Good, potty, Good, potty. How are you?
0: Hey, doing awesome this evening. You know, we've got a uh, special program for you put together. Um, And starting off, thanks to those who watched us co-host the Goals Season 4 Awards Ceremony. That was a special moment for both myself and Chewy. And uh, we look forward to hopefully doing it again. We're joined this evening by Escola, who is hosting the Goals draft for the third time. We're going to start off with the Plays of the Week, featuring plays from the World Cup and Prospect Showcase, then transition into the history and lore of Goals draft with Escola. Finally, we'll rank draft picks for the upcoming draft with Chewy, myself, Escola, Leathers, Grims, and McRoss. Let's hop in to the Plays of the Week. It starts off, big old massive hit. Anderson's got the puck to Meister. Meister's coming up the ice, coming across the defense. Oh, hits it, and who comes in at a 90-degree angle is no other than Escola. Our featured guest, what a play. Meister takes a shot, and magically, from the right side to the left, Escola comes in. Number two.
1: Awesome. Number two, we got uh, Winkler on the draw with not satisfied. Ties it up, gives it to Mojo, and Mojo goes on the top left corner. Uh, You see this face-off play all the time. Usually the players go up for the right side. Mojo went right over the glove of Brody to put it in.
0: Great play. Next up, we got Pawdy. Oh, Pawdy fires a rocket. It's a miracle. It probably broke his hand that he caught it. But somehow the other team gets the puck. Henry's got it. Henry takes a shot. Easy block right there. Garrett Jr. is coming up. He sees Pawdy. He knows, Pawdy, I got you. I got you. Just keep on going forward. Gray takes a shot. Boom. Miracle man. Pawdy, Pawdy comes in to seal the deal. Watch this again. We've got a massive shot by Pawdy. And then Henry comes up. What I really like about this play, aside from the fact that I scored a goal, was that it really showed the demonstration of teamwork. So when that pass just happened, you had three people, the forward you know, line, come in and execute that. Then we've got, I'm sorry, you want me to start that again?
1: Yeah, we got uh, the same, oh, same oh. game. We got uh, the USA North versus Euro. This one's a little bit of a long one, but US, uh, USA North puts pressure on Europe Makes a few passes, gives it over to Lindros. And then you're going to give it back over to Gray here. Eventually read to Gray. Gray snipes it from almost the blue line right over the blocker of Mike Twinscrew. That was was a beautiful goal there by uh, Gray and showing that she is one of the purest snipers in this league.
0: What a fantastic goal. I think it's worth watching it just one more time, even though it is a bit, but damn. It's kind of the length of time you got to watch it is equivocal to the length of distance she was from the goal. So let's move (laughs) in to uh, this one from the second blue line. We've got the North coming in. They kind of lose it, but then Phillips takes the shot. Cornwall, okay, here we go. Phillips could easily just wrap that, that bad boy around, but instead rgj uh the butcher uh demolishes one from that other blue line and i thought that that was probably one of the most powerful like seat feeling goals on an empty net that i've seen so far usually they barely creep in but this one came in like a rocket so next up we've got chewy with this play
1: yep so now we got uh going into the draft showcase here Looks like Quebec just kind of gives it the puck away, but Alberta is able to capitalize here. They got uh, a cross-crease pass over to Woods, and Woods with a nice slide and tap right behind the goalie. Uh, You can see right here, Quebec just kind of fumbles it, and Alberta uh, pressures hard and takes advantage of this to get uh, two-on-one and to get that backdoor tap in.
0: Perfect. Backdoor tap in the Woods. That's what I'm talking about. Now we've got McConan. Coming in, or Mekinen, coming in with the swoop de doop and scores. I don't know who won the game, but I do know that that was a beautiful play. Mikanen showcasing his talents once again. And that wraps up our plays of the week. So now let's move into our segment on the season five draft with Ani Escola. And welcome back to Rinkside. We're here with Ani Escola. Ani, how you doing this evening?
2: Doing well. Thanks for having me on here. I'm excited to uh, talk about the draft.
0: Yeah, the draft. You know, we're here to talk about the history and lore of the goals draft. And, uh, you know, why don't you just put a stake in the ground and get us, you know, from the start, when did the goals draft first begin?
2: Uh, Yeah, so... You know, obviously, since the league started back before season one, we've always had uh, a draft of some kind. Um, The startup draft was done over a number of days behind closed doors. And then we did sort of a a live reveal, kind of pretended the draft was live at the time. Um, And then, yeah, once we kind of got towards uh, season two, uh, the season two rookie draft and everything after that has been a truly live draft. Uh, and you know it's evolved from being you know no faces, just voices uh, with just the owners, to now all the work that Access puts in to make this beautiful draft show with uh, you know the hosts' faces and all kinds of guests and graphics and and things like that. And yeah, it's really come a long way.
0: Wow, I didn't. Uh, you know, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing it. When it's when's it coming up? This Saturday.
2: Uh, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern time.
0: Oh, excellent. That'll be tomorrow when this is published.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So, um, about the draft is, uh, is, so does every, like, I guess, how many players have gone through the draft? Are we looking at every single player in their league or, um, what are we looking at? Uh,
2: yeah, you know, most, uh, would have gone through some sort of draft process. Uh, you know, there was a number of them. Uh, claimed off of waivers which is when there's an unaffiliated minor player called up to a pro spot Um, but yeah I'd say as far as total number of players that have been drafted in this league were in the hundreds for sure obviously the first draft had 70 something I want to say season two close to the same number season three I think was over 100 and uh, yeah now we're looking at about 60 or, or 70 or Something in that range for this one, I think. Plus uh, the affiliation drafts and, and things like that as well.
1: Nice. So you'd, you'd say like above ninety-five percent of players uh been drafted or, or even uh, even less.
2: Uh above ninety for sure, I think I'd say. Uh, yeah. i have been through at least some form of a draft, whether that was uh like the affiliation draft that happened behind closed doors last season, um or uh or one of the true live drafts that we've seen. Sweet.
0: And what are the options for a player that enters the draft? What are the outcomes that could occur?
2: Uh, Yeah, so this season uh, is the first time we're having the the pro draft and the affiliation draft in one because there's so few pro roster spots open. And uh, so basically a player who enters the draft right now, there's three possible outcomes really. One is you get drafted to a team that has a pro opening and you sign a pro contract and you're playing in the big leagues next season. Uh, Second, which is the most common one that we'll see, is uh, players being drafted to a team that's already full for pro, and you'll become a minor league affiliate, play for their minor league team, and then eventually, uh, hopefully, obviously be called up at some point for them, whether it's this season or next season or or later. Uh, And then the third option, which right now uh, looks like maybe three or four people, uh, hopefully no one, but uh, there's a possibility that some players go undrafted. And at that point, if uh, if they do go undrafted, they would be assigned to a minor league team, uh, just like we did with new players all season long. If a player,
0: it, quick question here: If a player were to yeah. go undrafted, would they? If it like, would it be preference for them to go back to their original team, or would it be you know divided amongst the stackings of the, the draft results?
2: Uh, yeah, like the draft results will play a, a role, um, you know, obviously, uh, like positional needs, like we're not going to put a fifth or sixth right winger on, on a team if another team doesn't have any right wingers, for example. Um, same with archetypes and, and things like that we look at. But uh, yeah, if it's close between two teams and a player played in the minors last season, I'd probably put them back with, with the group that they were with. Um, but the other side of that is I, I'd be pretty surprised if the couple players going undrafted were playing in the minors uh, last season.
1: Sweet. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's about six or seven uh pro roster spots that you could see uh minors drafted up to. So that's cool to see some. I think next season there will be under 20 rookies in the league, we'll also, we'll, which will also be very interesting because I think this season, we had uh, probably close to 40 or 50. So I think it'll be the smallest rookie class uh, in goals. Um, so we, you kind of talked about the original draft was offline and, and presented as live. Has, is there any other changes from from the original, uh, I guess, original goals draft and original uh, prospect draft that has changed till now uh, that you'd like to touch on?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, things in this league are, are always changing. Uh, you know, the startup draft, uh, obviously like it was done behind closed doors and, um, there was only six teams and we were only drafted for 15 roster spots each, I think. And, uh, now we're up to 16 teams with nine roster spots or 19 roster spots per team and, and all sorts of, uh, you know, five affiliates per, per team. Um, Yeah, like, and then obviously the production has gone way up, like I mentioned earlier. Um, And then, yeah, obviously the affiliation is a a big change that uh, really hasn't been, um, I guess, something we've seen until the last couple drafts. Uh, So that definitely changed from the first uh, couple ones as well.
1: So, yeah, you you mentioned the production definitely uh, from the first draft till now. I mean, I think season three was when the first time uh, you guys started a production with you and Jess hosting and that was that was good and and uh last season was even even better and i've seen some uh some spoilers for for uh, tomorrow's uh draft and yeah yeah, i think it's gonna be the best show uh we've had yet so that's gonna be exciting
2: yeah and just a quick huge shout out to to dave Axis. you know he's been season three was the first one he took over producing and um he does a whole lot of work behind the scenes for us i got talking to him about this draft you know i want to say over a month in advance, uh, to start getting ready. And every draft, I don't think he can do better than what he did. And he somehow finds a way to top it. So a huge shout out to him and all the work he does behind the scenes.
1: Sweet. Thanks, Dave.
0: Yeah. Big shout out over there. And, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned was the affiliate draft and I'm curious, when did the affiliate drafts first start?
2: Uh, yeah. So the first one, Uh, I believe was actually that first one that Axis produced, which was uh, the season three draft. And the way that the affiliate draft worked back then, uh, we kind of threw two rounds uh, because that's how many affiliates we had, enough for two per team. Uh, So we just kind of added two rounds to the end of the draft show, uh, kind of dragged out the draft a little bit. was kind of the feedback we got, got a little bit long. Um, So then the following season, uh, so season four's draft we had, I think enough for five affiliates each uh, this past season, and uh, we decided that adding that to the end of the existing draft would have uh, would have been too long uh, for a lot of people, especially the hosts and the owners trying to make picks and and things like that. So we we actually did last season's affiliate draft uh, behind closed doors, like the startup was done, and then I did a poorly produced uh, affiliation reveal uh, for that one, but this one will be live, uh, picks coming in, um, live on air.
1: Sweet.
0: Awesome. Great progress.
1: So when, uh, I guess when you're looking, I guess when we look at post draft, once everyone's been drafted, do you feel like, uh, the players drafted are more reflective of, uh, like the overall and how the player plays or more what the team needs? Um, I don't know if that question made sense at all, but uh. yeah,
2: yeah, like kind of, yeah, like I guess talking about like the order that the players are are picked in.
1: Yeah, like. like 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 let's say Albuquerque's first two picks are they going to be based like do you think highest overall or um, you know what they need you know maybe take a take some players that could have gone ninth or tenth but to fill a, a higher need on the team.
2: Yeah, for sure, and you know like I guess going back further like hockey. It's kind of a, a sport where drafting for need isn't very common because it takes players so long to develop, to get to the NHL in most cases. So you're not drafting for need um, unless your prospect pool is super shallow somewhere. Um, but in our league, we've seen it kind of the other way because in the past every draft has had most of the players going pro right away. Um, so it has been very need driven. Um, and so that made it probably a little easy. Like I think last season, uh, the, the experts, I think, did pretty good on the mock or, or maybe not. I can't remember. But um, And other people doing mock drafts have, you know, had some success because it's been pretty easy to tell need and, and things like that. But now with the affiliate draft, um, it's going to be tough to tell if people are drafting for future needs or if uh, or if they're just going to be taking kind of the best player available. Um, obviously all all kinds of other things play a role. Um, The teams that need pro spots will obviously draft for those. Um, But then other than that, you know, friendships and activity and and all that stuff probably comes into effect uh, even before goals and assists do in the minors.
1: Sweet. Awesome.
0: So when we think of the draft, we think of the pool of potential players. And you have the minor league system, which consists of people that are affiliated to professional teams or those that are not affiliated to a professional team. And then you have a potent, like a, a, segment of newcomers that haven't been assigned to any team yet. So I'm curious, like, what is the end goal of the draft? What does the draft accomplish, and how does that improve the league?
2: Um, yeah, I mean... As far as uh, what it accomplishes, obviously, um, like a few teams will fill pro roster spots with it. But beyond that, it's kind of um, developing, uh, I guess, those farm systems for these teams, right? They're going to draft players who will be waiting in the wings in case they lose somebody unexpected during the season or or whatever the case might be. Um, And one thing with what the affiliation portion of the draft really accomplishes, which is why. Like Aside from the fact that it's fun to build a farm system and try to build a a long-term program, aside from that, one thing the affiliation draft was really implemented for was to give these players in the minors a little bit more involvement with the pro team They get access to the pro locker room, trying to give them kind of an organization to lean on for help, to learn and get involved with the league. Uh, Because in the early seasons, we noticed the minors players really weren't being that involved. Um, You know, obviously, some still aren't. Uh, That's just the nature of the beast. Not everybody will be. But um, it's really come a long way to helping those players kind of have somewhere to, I guess, lean on it and go to for help or advice. They could go to their minors coach or their pro owner and and kind of have multiple avenues there.
0: That's really interesting. If we were to compare cohorts of the early iteration of the league to now where we have those affiliation and ties with a professional organization, perhaps we could see longer retention of those players could be yeah. a, you know, a, a
2: data driven guess we can make. For sure. And, you know, like I was talking to uh, David Hume, my uh, assistant GM in Turku um, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this and um, I noticed like now players are so you know, prideful about the the minor, a lot of them are anyway, about the minor league team they play for, you know, like go Tigers, go even once after they've gone pro they're cheering for the team that they played for at one time, you know, tuning into those games. I'm seeing the Jan Lashik and Bobby Brownstone, for example, cheering for the Tigers a lot. You know, Brian Lickett was cheering for the Royals a lot. Whereas when I was talking to Hume, he didn't, he couldn't even tell me the name of the minor league team he played on in season one. Cause he hmm. just, you know, it wasn't at the level it's at now. So that's really been a priority for the league I think is developing that minor league system because eventually we can't keep expanding every season and, and we're going to need a league where these players can play if there's no openings in the pro league. Mm -hmm. Excellent.
1: Sweet. uh, Diving deeper into that, I guess, what's, uh, what's the goal for, um, the minors pro system? Is it going to be like an AHL NHL style? Uh, are you looking at more layers? What's, uh, What's your vision for it at the moment? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's going to be obviously very uh, like numbers driven. Um, But as we grow, uh, I think the plan would be to have more of a NHL, AHL system. That's kind of what the affiliation draft is. It's an early iteration of kind of having an American Hockey League and a a place where players can develop and, and, you know, move up within the system. Um, there has been some talk like if we don't expand for the next number of seasons, eventually players in the minors are going to be way better than the new players coming in after them. So at that point, you know, we might look at having kind of a AHL and then a, like a junior league for new players or, or something like that. But, um, you know, that's all a number of seasons down the line. You never know what will happen with uh, with the pro rosters and uh, and just the number of players we have. It, it's all really driven by that. Cool.
0: And there's, you know, a lot unknown, but if you had any, you know, high level kind of expectations or predictions for this upcoming draft class, what would you kind of forecast?
2: Um, Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of high end talent in this class. Um, Not a whole lot of them are going to go pro, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting group of rookies. Uh, I think the draft production is going to be out of this world as well. Um, but yeah, just in, in general for this draft class, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of players who are really committed to staying in the minors, even though, you know, the goal is to eventually get to pro a lot of players are okay. And, and even like hoping to stay in the minors and seeing those players develop and become the future of the league is going to be, a, I guess a really good success story and seeing them succeed in the pros is, is going to be a lot of fun. Excellent.
0: Well, speaking of predictions, You know, the next segment we have in order for you is going to have myself, Chewy, Escola, Leathers, Grimms, and McRoss talking about our top five minor predictions for the upcoming draft. All right, and welcome back. We're here for our predictions of the upcoming draft class. We've got a great segment for you. It's basically broken down. We've got the top five picks, um, what we're calling our rank. We have Chewy, myself, Escola, Leathers, Grims, and Ross, And we're going to be revealing these picks. Um, and then we'll compare them to the actual picks at a later time. Follow up on Twitter. That's rinks, at Rinkside Goals uh, to connect with us on Twitter. So Chewy, we've got the first pick coming up. It's going to ABQ. Who's it going to be?
1: I don't. I don't remember my. Oh last. yeah, here you go. <laughs> uh, my, my bad. Uh, so yes, Timothy Alexander, thank you. Um, so big reason for me t- uh, choosing Timothy Alexander here for Albuquerque. They went with Quando James Jr. and Matt Green a couple seasons ago. Two big snipers. Kwando uh, ended up winning Rookie of the Year. He ended up getting cut this off season, unfortunately, due to inactivity. So I could see Albuquerque wanting to replace that immediately. Uh, having a sniper like Quando, uh, having a player like that, I mean, developing your farm system and ready for a call next season isn't a bad thing to have in your back pocket.
0: Exactly, and if I were to have something in my back pocket. I'd have myself a Magnus power forward who put up nine goals, seven assists for the Warlocks in the regular season. Power forward's the position I play. It's a taxing one, but it's one that demonstrates a commitment to putting the team above everything else. So I've got Magnus as number one. Uh, Escola, let's move on to your pick.
2: Yeah, so I went with uh, Jake Prudhomme, uh, the big defensive defenseman. Uh, you know, Kamenev has uh, been pretty committed to building up the defense core there in Albuquerque for a while now. And I think adding somebody like Prudhomme is going to be a, a big help uh, to that cause. And um, I don't know what it is about him, but he seems to score a heck of a lot for a defensive defenseman in the minors. So uh, we'll see if he can carry that forward next season.
0: And for our next picks who aren't here, but I'll be shouting them out, Leathers has elected Andrew Payne, playmaker, then we've got Jack Prudhomme, DFD, as well as Jack Prudhomme. So let's move on to number two.
1: Yeah, uh, number two, I went with Stig Magnus, which I guess wouldn't make a difference since Albuquerque has both uh, top picks. Uh, reason for that, again, they're four like well, like Ascola said, their four, their defense are set. I don't think they need to focus too much on it. Um, I mean, even if they lose one big defender, uh, I think the time on ice that they'd be losing isn't as important as the forwards they need to build up to, to be able to score more. So I went with Stig. They need a defensive forward to help them on their PK to help those, uh, help the guys not let in any, uh, penalty kill goals.
0: Great points. And we're aligned on the Stig. So, you know, next up, I've got Jasper Mikonen. I always call him McConen. There's this rapper called I Love McConen. Some of his music's real bumping. Um, but uh, put up eight goals just a little bit under Stig. And, you know, when you got the line above you with Vanya Kovalchuk, Taylor Jean Reeves, you know, there's a lot of pressure. But Mikonen delivered throughout the season. And as highlighted in one of our plays of the week, continues to deliver. So I've got him as number two.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the only one on the show apparently that doesn't have a, a warlock in the top two, but uh, <laughs> I've got uh, I've got Alexander here falling, uh, not falling, but going uh, to Albuquerque here. Like Chewie mentioned, it doesn't really matter. Albuquerque's got the top two picks. Cam's been pretty clear that uh, whoever people predict him to take one and two, even if they get them right, he's going to pick them in the opposite order just to mess with their <laughs> predictions. So um either yeah timothy alexander all that chewie said about him for the number one pick is kind of what i've got there plus i think i've seen him chatting a little bit about some positive conversations with some teams near the top of the board so uh, i think he'll go here in the top two to all right
0: number two mr alexander and for leathers we've got jack prudom parker minion and oh for grims parker minion and for mcross the expert Andrew Payne coming in at number two. So let's move on over to number three. Chewy, you've got Andrew Payne.
1: Yeah, so uh with Turku, uh they've been pretty decent offensive for the first few seasons. Uh this latest season, even though they played a lot better as a team, I feel like the offense just slowed down a lot, which it didn't it's not bad. So let's get that straight. But the the scoring definitely went down. And I think bringing a guy like Andrew Payne will help that, uh, especially in the minors, especially if they lose some forwards over the next uh, few seasons. Uh, their defense pretty much got set this offseason. So I don't see a reason to focus there. They made a couple trades. So I think uh, the playmaker makes sense, uh, especially to help out guys like Hume and Escola uh, set up the plays and hopefully score more.
0: Great points. And I echo those the exact same I got. Andrew Payne is number three. Um, he is a right wing center, but he never really played center. That's why I had Meekin in above him, because I think doing the faceoffs is just a little bit harder than playing wing. But to each his own, I'm a little biased. Uh, Escola, let's uh, pull up your pick for number three.
2: Yeah, so this is where I've got a Warlock going. Um Full disclosure, obviously, this is my own pick here. Uh, this is the one reason I almost chose to exclude myself from the predictions because I am picking top five. So I went with a very simple uh, reasoning, just a connection here. Uh, you know, Mieken is Finnish, Turku's based in Finland. Uh, plus, uh, a playmaker would help. Um, obviously, uh, faceoffs has been a struggle for us for a number of seasons. Got a little bit better. So grabbing a, a playmaking center um, would be a, a huge... Um, addition to us. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to tip my hand too much. So I went with kind of a, a pretty basic need and, and the connection there being finished uh, to Turku.
0: Well, it makes sense to me. Let's see. If it makes sense to our panel. Oh, wrong button. Oh, wrong one. Here it is. Uh, we've got Dan Norris, offensive defenseman for pick by leathers. Grims has Decky Patterson, two-way defenseman. And McRoss his Jerry Jackson the offensive defenseman? Chewy, let's pull you in for pick number four, going to the Redwater Undertakers.
1: Yeah, so I went with Jack Prudhomme. Uh, if he'd fell the fourth, I mean, that's uh, impressive, but he will be the first D going, I I believe. Uh, and Redwater just lost uh, Simser unfortunately, to a trade and their trade piece uh, left the league. So they have a big need there to fill uh, defense and someone who can get called up right away. Uh, Jack Prudhomme, uh, Redwater likes their enforcers, their defensive defensemen. So it seems like a perfect match here. And that's, uh, that's my pick.
0: Great pick. And I've got a little bit of a unique one here, but I've got Jerry Jackson going number four. Let me tell you about Jerry Jackson. Jerry Jackson joined probably about halfway into the league offensive defenseman on the warlocks that was kind of a unique position still put up one goal and seven assists um, the magical thing about JJ is in poised positions I think he is a poised attribute stat out of the roof it might be may not be represented in what's you know on the the document but he scored the goal in game seven that won the entire championship for the warlocks and he just putted it in like happy gilmore so i think that jerry jackson deserves number four what about you Escola who do you got
2: yeah you know i went a different route here uh i penciled in tom adamo jr uh of malmo obviously redwater does need a defenseman so they'll i could very well see them going d here um but i decided to go a bit of a different way here and, and give them a forward and, and predict that they'll fill that d hole at number 10 um there's a lot of good defensemen here in the draft so uh yeah I, i've got adam jr here he's very active and uh, i think he'd be a good fit for that redwater organization
0: perfect best of luck to him and we've got the panel coming in leathers dan glissak enforcer defenseman grimes or excuse me grims uh jasper meekinen playmaker and then mick ross with lenny lyons two-way defenseman so coming into our fifth pick Chewy, we've got you at.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I went with Parker Minion here at number five uh, playmaking center from the Manitoba Snowhawks. Looking at Melbourne, uh, their, well, their D was pretty set uh, from last season and uh, their forwards definitely could have used some work. I know they do need to fill out two defense in the draft to go pro. But I think a lot of people will be focusing on forwards early in the draft. So I think they can pick up someone uh, that could play on their lower lines, taking face-offs, which which is something every team needs in this league. So I went with Parker Minion. If they end up going with a defense, uh, I wouldn't be shocked considering they need to fill two D spots. And uh, that's what I got there. And on my bingo card, I have uh, Potty picking five Warsaw Warlocks. So if you pick here, I win uh, I win bingo.
0: Well, bingo it is. And it's interesting that you're talking about Melbourne wanting a defenseman because I've got the best defenseman in the league with the highest potential. Robert Thump entered in like the game 14 or 13, um, went 0-0 in the regular season. But let me tell you this. Robert Thump was our only defenseman throughout seven games in the series and we won there were tight times he showed incredible potential this is the pick you want number five Robert Thumb
1: are you a salesman for Warsaw or you... <laughs> I think he's the agent for all these players yeah, yeah it sounds like it I've, this is the the biggest hype I've seen yeah.
0: it's all well deserved all right so coming in with Escola with number five
2: Yeah, so here's where I put in Dan Norris, the offensive defenseman off the Bucs. Like Chewie alluded to, uh, Melbourne does need a defenseman or two, I think two to go pro. Um, An offensive one, uh, I think, would fill some of the the openings that they've got there. Obviously, they've got Gibson, the offensive defenseman, but um, having another offensive defenseman to go with them um, and a guy who I think has got a ton of potential in Dan Norris, I think would be a solid pick here at number five.
1: Actually, they have a player named Matthew Norris, so I wonder if there's any Indeed. relation there.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah, We might have to get another one of those uh, first initial added to the jersey kind of things. Yeah,
1: some uh, DNA tests.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, and following up with our panel, Leathers has Decky Pedersen, two-way defenseman. Grimms has Damian Chambers, playmaker. And McRoss has Dan Glesak, the enforcer defenseman. And that wraps up our rankings for today. Um, Chewy Escola, that was pretty awesome. I enjoyed that exercise. What did you think?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was good to see, uh, uh, you know, where teams may be focusing on. Obviously, as an owner, I kind of do that to have an idea of what uh, what players will drop to me. Obviously, it's tough to predict where people go because... Uh, yeah, I think last season my, I was scrambling my draft board a couple times in the season before. So uh, it was fun, though. It was fun. Hopefully I get some picks right.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was a ton of fun. So thanks for having me on here. Uh, like you said, as an owner, we're always kind of predicting what other teams are going to do. But uh, you don't often like to tip your hands. So um, I usually let the experts kind of handle that draft pr- pre-draft content and, uh, and keep my cards close to the chest. But uh, it was fun here, and we'll see we'll see how I do.
1: So confirmed all your picks were, uh, were were to throw people off then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or maybe I'm throwing you off with that and they're all turku targets. Oh, right. man. <laughs> Damn
1: it.
0: Well, it was a pleasure having you on. And thanks for joining us. You, the viewer, um, slash subscriber, if you click that button over there. And uh, until the next one, this is Potty and Chewy and Escola with the rink side. Thank <laughs> you.